everybody, and welcome back to Feedback Loop. I'm Joey. And I'm Jeremy. And this week, we are in part two of my journey through the Elephant Six Collective, leading up to the up to the ultimate end of it, where I talk <laughs> about a band that I love, but until then, we talk about you're, bands. You're hyping this up a lot. Yeah, I know, and it's because like I, I t- typically try not to hype things up, but, I mean, the band that's coming... I'm just going to straight up tell you, like, probably how you feel about Paramore, I feel about this band. Okay, like, that's a that's a big that's a big statement. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. But, but anyways, I didn't say what we're discussing. We're discussing <laughs> this week the album When Your Heartstrings Break by the band Beulah. Yeah. It's running off the heels of the Apples and Stereo. This band has, I think, a pretty similar sound, honestly. But, sure. Uh, I chose them because I feel like it's a good next step, kind of getting, there's parts that are a little bit more lo-fi, you know, and then I guess the big produced parts of Apples and Stereo that I hear. So there's parts that are a little bit more lo-fi, a little, little more kind of experiments with actual like analog instruments mm-hmm. rather than more digital instruments that uh, Apples and Stereo had. So I felt like it was a similar musical sound but just a little bit more in the direction that I wanted to be heading. Okay, that's I, th- I think that bodes well, because uh, I guess I'm going to go ahead and come out and say it. I like this album more than I like the Apples and Stereo album. <gasps> Ooh. So I think this is this is a good next step. Okay. We're, we're moving in the right direction, and if, if we continue in this direction, maybe I'll be happy. Maybe this is kind of a sweet spot, and it's just downhill from here. But uh, I guess we'll figure out. When did you... When did you first hear this album? This album I actually heard much later than Apples and Stereo because, like, like I said last week, Apples and Stereo, the first Elephant Six band that I heard of, I didn't even know they were Elephant Six. I didn't know what any of that was. I was like fourteen or something. Yeah. And a few years after I had heard it, I kind of started looking into it. I just got kind of fascinated by their sound on other albums and found out, oh, Elephant Six and this band. This album came out in 99. Actually, Dr. Rob, as we have given him the name of, (laughs) he kind of like, I guess, discovered this band and adopted them into the Elephant Six Collective. Okay. And uh, this album, I probably heard it, I'd say, four years ago for the first time. So so not super long ago, but also not super recent. Yeah, like it's it's kind of the Elephant Six journey has been a more recent journey i guess that i've gone on like really delved into because there's some there's some stuff on it stuff that i'm not going to put in here just because i know you're you wouldn't like it but there's some like out there stuff in it so it was like an experience that i had to really kind of get myself ready for okay to listen to a lot of their other stuff but this <laughs> i felt was a a good album to share with people yeah, and I, I think I'm inclined to agree. Uh, the album art for this album is it's very nice. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, it looks like it's it's hand drawn, uh, like a landscape of a lake, and there's a mountain, a frost cap mountain in the background. It's all shaded in gray. Oh yeah. So there, there's like black outlines for everything, obviously, and then all of the scenery is filled with this gray color, and then what would be the sky is just blank and white. And in the sky, it has, in a simple font, the name of the band and the album, which is Beulah. Yeah. Beulah. <laughs> when your heartstrings break. 
very very lovely lovely landscape though yeah i'd want to live there i mean there's a little canoe on that lake there's a nice bridge there's some like european looking houses it's yeah, just, it's just uh, like a small small a couple clusters of houses that are yeah. kind of nice like it's a small community perhaps it's very cozy it is it is that that's a very good descriptor for this, this <laughs> album art i think and i love cozy things that, that's <laughs> My that's my game right there. You're a little cozy kangaroo. Yes, and this album, uh, it's shorter than the last one, which is, I don't know. I mean, the other one, it was it wasn't crazy long. It was 52 minutes, I think. It's yeah. 24 tracks. This one's a more reasonable, more <laughs> palatable 11 tracks at uh, 34 minutes and 24 seconds. Yes, so. which I, I think is also something that it had in its favor. Um, mm-hmm. You guys don't know this. But the last episode we recorded on a Wednesday, normally we record on a Monday, so we actually had two fewer days to listen to this album this week. So I'm, I'm glad it was shorter and it wasn't a, an equal length to the one before it, because I, I didn't have time for that shit. <laughs> really, I don't either. I mean, like, honestly, <laughs> an hour-long album, it better be like, I better like it as much as I like the Apples and Stereo album, if I'm going to listen right. to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I like... There's a difference between being able to listen to and enjoy a long album, and then the process that we go through to record yeah. a podcast for that album, where we're just listening to the album over and over again and, and deconstructing it. it. It obviously, the longer the album is, the longer that process takes oh, yeah. by an exponential factor. And I mean, an hour doesn't seem like a long time. Whenever you're like, "Oh, it's an hour long yeah. album," but yeah, we listen to it like a lot. <laughs> and that's a lot of hours, and we we still have to work. Like, right? We have I mean, jobs. I, we have yeah. hobbies. I have video games to play, man. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got stuff to do. Yeah. Eventually, maybe if this podcast picks up, or maybe even if it doesn't, we can start streaming video games together, and then one of them <gasps> will pick up, and we can point people to the other, and then we'll just have this whole multimedia conglomerate going. Dude, we can stream video games while we're discussing albums. Boom. Yeah, that would work out great for me because then i wouldn't have to put any thought into what i'm saying i'll just babble on about albums well i mean that's usually what we do whenever we play video games anyways but it's true or just other things yeah okay yeah we're 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 more organized on this podcast at least somewhat so we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and get into it the first track of this album is score from augusta augusta like the place in georgia like that place in Georgia. I'm assuming that's where this band is based, or were based. They actually came from uh, San Francisco, California. Okay, that is an interesting point for reasons that uh, I guess we'll get into. Yeah, it is. I think I know the reasons. But yeah, we're talking <laughs> about Augusta here. So this song, like, as soon as it gets in, you hear horns. You hear, yeah, you hear some trumpets. Uh, yeah, the trumpet, and I'll go ahead and let you know, and you probably might have picked this up from the Nana Grizzle album, or episode, that I like horns. In so do my, I, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just a nice sound. Like, it's just bright and happy and whatever. Yeah, especially when it's done well. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, one, one of my favorite bands of all time is Cake, and they have a, they oh, have yeah. a great trumpet player. Yeah, they do. I, I think there, there's a great horn section for, for this album so it's it's kind of fun and like a lot of ska and stuff has has some really fun trumpets and stuff and i enjoy that kind of stuff so Ooh, ska. This, this felt like i said it feels like a step in in 
a good direction from the last one because I, yeah. I just really enjoy the trumpets. I, I noted it on like every single track that had trumpets, which is most of them, I think. That makes but me very I just happy. fucking love the trumpets on them. I'm just so happy to hear that. It's uh, that's good. But like I said earlier, like you, you hear you hear the horns. It's there's kind of some ahs, like he's the vocal ah uh, ah, uh, like yeah, oohs and ahs. Yeah, and it's like that kind of makes me think of apples and stereo because there's a lot of like the vocoder baba and the stuff like where Doctor Rob's doing that type of stuff. So right. it bleeds in here, but the sound you get, I think, is a little more lo-fi to begin with. Which I mean, this album came out eight, like. Eight years earlier, we're going back to the past. We're, I'm trying to get back further and further <laughs> with some of these. And then, uh, I don't know, it's just... Gar- guitars are a little bit more actually distorted. Uh, there's there's still some keyboards in there, which I always like. Like the electronic sounding keyboard. Right. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you compare this and, and it makes you feel like apples and stereo. And I, I totally get that. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting... Because last week when we talked about the Apples in Stereo, you said that that album kind of reminded you more of the Beach Boys than what I had, which was a lot of Brit Rock and, and stuff. Whereas this album, I think, reminds me more of the Beach Boys than the prior one. Whoa, because I'll just go ahead and say it. This album reminds me more of Brit, Brit Rock. Like Interesting. I don't, like, I don't know if it's... I feel like the guy, the lead singer... His name is, I want to make yes. sure I'm pronouncing his last name, Miles Kurowski, I believe is how you pronounce it. Kurowski. Kur- yeah, Miles Kurowski. He sounds like he's British, and I couldn't, yeah. fi- I couldn't find anything if he was <laughs> or not. Like, there was, yeah. on Wikipedia, I, I will, he doesn't have an I entry. I absolutely concede that the vocals 100% sound like, like a Beatles kind of a kind of a deal going on. Yeah, and there's just some sort of like instruments that come in later that make me think, Beatles, but there are sure. there are definitely parts I can see with the Beach Boys, and I mean the Elephant Six Collective, like Doctor Rob and his constituents, like they all kind of, I think they all had a love for the Beach Boys. I know at least the founding people of the Apples and Stereos like got together because sure. they liked the Beach Boys, like they were yeah, friends. I mean, who and, doesn't? Yeah, <laughs> of course. Who doesn't like the Beach Boys? I think really what draws me to the Beach Boys for this album, maybe more so than in the Apples and Stereo album, is that maybe it's because they're from San Francisco, mm-hmm. but I, I get this very like surfer rock vibe on, on at some points where it's just like it's very like sunny and happy and like chill kind of a thing. I, I can know. definitely see that. It just it gives me that vibe that that surfer surfing USA kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's true. I can see that. And like I guess I'm thinking a lot of the vocals, so the music does right. sound does sound pretty surf surftastic. California surf-tastic. Californicated, I guess. Yes. <laughs> Which but, is a theme on this album, I believe. Speaking yeah. of themes though. Yeah. The song to me, I I feel like I misinterpreted a lot of these songs, maybe. Mm-hmm. But uh, this one specifically it seems kind of like a backhanded love song. In, in a way where he's comparing his love of someone or of a past relationship to like generally negative events like yeah. the civil war and like at, at some point he refers to like Jesus claiming that he can heal lepers or whatever and saying no nah, that shit that doesn't even compare and he kind of like throws shade at yeah. religion at, at, at with that line and stuff but uh, yeah it, it kind of seems like the post breakup song where he's 
maybe trying to let go of his ex, but struggling with it, even though he knows it was probably not a good idea. Yeah, and that's because that's a theme. I kind of got the the idea that he wrote the song as if it were some sort of like quote unquote love letter written in like the Civil War era. Like, yeah, you're almost reading it as it was like one of those like letters that you find in a chest of drawers in some house in the South from like the 1800s or something. Sure. But I don't know. Just one thing, because I did a little bit of research and uh, Augusta was apparently a one of the few cities that was like spared from the war. So I don't know if that holds any significance because in the chorus, he says the South will be spared bullets flying fast from her eyes. Like, I don't know if he's trying to say that, like, he wishes that their love was like Augusta and could have been spared or if it was spared. But I definitely pick up the the kind of backhanded elements that you're talking about. Yeah, just comparing their love at all to like using that Civil War imagery is kind of like it's strange. I don't know if it's necessarily, like, negative or mean in intention, but it it just seems kind of interesting. Yeah. And, like, as far as the way this guy writes his lyrics, like, not to harp back to the apples in stereo, but, like, those lyrics seemed very, like, esoteric and, like, introspective and whatever. This guy, I feel like he paints a better... While he does have kind of the out-there vague lyrics that can be interpreted sorts of ways he does i think he does a better job of like painting a picture yeah with he uses lyrics. a lot of like descriptive imagery and, and words and stuff yeah definitely but yeah it's just a nice way to start the album i think it is and i don't have a great way to segue <laughs> for, for the next track yeah there's uh there's just heads up for all you uh, party people out there. There might not be that many great segues because some <laughs> of these some of these songs kind of don't really work like that. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean we we can try. Yeah, I mean I just not for this one. Yeah, this one not, just I, I I'm drawing blanks. Yeah, not for track two, Sunday under glass. Yes. Yeah. See how would we how would we even write a segue for that? If I somebody mean, maybe maybe if. If he was, if it was a letter that was written in Civil War times, you know, it, it got picked up by some old historian who was looking through documents on a Sunday with his magnifying glass, you know, just trying to trying to read things and be gentle. Maybe there's something there, but I couldn't connect it. Yeah, or there, it's in a museum, and the actual paper itself is under glass. I don't know if somebody yeah, has a better segue. Leave it in the comment section. <laughs> yeah, please do our jobs for us. <laughs> and you know what? While we're at it, once we announce this next album that we're going to listen to next week, figure out a bunch of segues, put them yes. all in the. Just let give us all the segues. That way, we don't have to yeah, think. Tweet of them. us, drop us comments, and then and we'll make we'll. It's it's crowdsourcing segues. You know, we'll put your segue in the podcast, and we'll give you a shout out when we do so. Yeah. But back to Sunday Under Glass. This song, it starts a little slow. Like, I don't know. Because the first song, it kind of it kind of kept some sort of energy. Like, it had, like, the pop, power pop, rock type. Th- I don't know what to call it, honestly. Yeah. But it's... Because I think it's pop. Is it is it pop, though? I don't know. Like, yeah, it's, it's kind of like indie pop rock stuff. Yeah. And oh, there we go. I'll go with, like, indie pop or something. That's That sounds fine to me. But this one's a little bit slower. It's got some like accordions and stuff in the background. And this song, 
re- like this is the song that whenever I was re-listening to it for my notes and stuff, I like try to do a bunch of research to figure out if he was British because man, I was getting some Beatles vibes just from his voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he has a very like like I don't know. It, it's kind of I, I used the word droopy for guitars last week, but it, it's kind of that droopy kind of Beatlesy voice that I, I I cannot find a way to describe it accurately. Yeah, but it, it, I definitely see the comparisons there. Uh, yeah, this song is my favorite track on the album. I think. Oh though. shit, man! Just the second track. I'm just like, yeah, this is great music. It's got <laughs> got some some sleigh bells and some low toms at the beginning, and then it kicks in with the full band and the trumpets. Oh, yeah. It's got some nice strings. It's got some flutes. There's yeah, like, dude. there's a guitar solo with what sounds like a vibraphone kind of playing under it that gives it this very like echoey, chill vibe. I just, I love it. I dude. love it musically, and that's why it's my favorite. The vibraphone. Oh my god, that's that's like I think whenever all the people from the Elephant Six were recording, like I think there must have just been a vibraphone in the recording studio, <laughs> and everybody was just like, hey, let me take a little little dip of that vibraphone because that yeah. sounds. Sounds pretty nice, but uh, I'm right there with you, man. I love it so much. Lyrically, <laughs> I, again, yeah. I this is where the fact that they're from San Francisco either makes complete sense or it confuses me. And I say <laughs> that because I feel like the song is written about how shitty and fake the West Coast is, mm-hmm. and, and Hollywood specifically, compared to where they are or compared to where they aren't, I guess, if they're in San Francisco. Yeah. Where it, it seems like the West is some adventurous and exciting place, but once you get there, it's just kind of a bunch of people pretending to live in, like, a perfect world kind of a Yeah. Deal. I mean, I think that is right on. That's what I get. Like, I even highlighted a section of lyrics, and the Wild West is a slow pan, and the sunshine is fake, and the ocean is painted on a backdrop somewhere downtown. Like, it paints it yeah. as the wild west which is like you know the wild west movies it's the wild west was this exciting place it's just a slow pan like a camera moving across it and everything's fake and it's manufactured and just i don't know talking right. about how nothing is as it seems everybody's just putting on some sort of facade out yeah, it's there. very an- anti-hollywood and yeah. anti like celebrity i guess yeah definitely that's that's the vibe i got so maybe we're right about it. <laughs> yeah, it could be. And I think that the whole, there's a lot of comparisons on this album or a lot of metaphors and, and discussion, I guess, about the West mm-hmm. in general being like the Western U S uh, yeah. there's, there's one track. That's an exception that I'm kind of excited to talk about. <laughs> I'm not sure if you got the same vibe, but uh, for the most part, a lot of this album references the West in kind of a negative way. Yeah. Which I get <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. It's the part about America that I feel like everybody who's not from America like thinks about, but it's, I don't know. It's not to, I'm about to say something that's going to be like a call forward, but I just feel like California is the place that everybody wants to flock to, but it's like such a, there's parts of it that seem so ugly whenever right. you really think about it. And it's like, why would people want that and struggle through that and i don't know yeah i mean it's it's the the struggle even even i i I think it's a struggle between matter and space (laughs) 
you know, where, yeah. where there's, there's so many people there and there's not enough space there for them and everyone still wants it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and just like the third song, it's where it's matter versus space. So, I mean, the people yeah. are fighting, fighting the space. They're fighting it for sure. Track three, Matter versus Space. <laughs> uh, it's got a really simple drum machine intro yeah. that, I, that I that I like, and then it like adds in some like a guitar riff and then some sound effects, and then kicks into the song. A lot of their songs do this, where they have this like intro section to the song, and then the kind of song kicks in, which I don't mind. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a kind of a cool effect that they use, uh, and it lets them get some more doodles yeah. in before having full oh, songs. Yeah. Uh, at this point, I wrote, I really like the trumpets and the synth effects and stuff they use, and I think I'm going to say that a lot. <laughs> good, because I want to hear it a lot. I want to hear it from you <laughs> specifically a lot. And so good. they got this, like, whatever that, I guess maybe that's the vibraphone, like the warbly type of sound underneath the guitars at the beginning, like yeah. after the drum machine kind of kicks into the song, the actual song, it like, it's kind of this weird, I was listening to it with headphones on, just really trying to pay attention. And it was like, it was bouncing from ear to ear and it was uh-huh. just, I don't know. It was just cool. It's and like, that's the stuff that I like about bands that kind of come out of this ilk. I, I don't know why I said ilk. Like I'm a person <laughs> who uses that word in everyday conversation, but like, I mean, you do if, if you just did. This yeah, is an I guess it's, conversation, Joey. It's, that's very true. But like the bands kind of like this. I just, some of it, I don't even like vibe with musically, like not this album. I like this album, but like other stuff kind of around the elephant six, I don't even like care that much for musically, but I mm-hmm. just really like the freedom that comes yeah. with a lot of it. Like where it feels like you really get the feeling that it's just like some people who got together because they like to make music and they just wanted to see what they could do, I guess. Yeah. And it's, it's super inspiring because like, it's not overly produced, it's, mm-hmm. which is kind of a staple of, of this kind of genre of being indie. Yeah, there's some production on this more so than like the Nana Grizzle album or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's still like, it, it sounds like music that anyone can make, and it sounds like they had fun making it, which kind of makes you want to do it. Yep, So definitely. like, it, it's just like, man, I want to be doing that yeah. kind of thing. Oh man, uh, that feeling just so much. It makes me want to like <laughs> pick up my guitar every time I hear like this type of stuff where I'm just like... Yeah. Oh, I want to. Dude's do... just strumming, strumming some chords and then putting a cool riff on it. Yeah, and it's, it's like simple. why, why, why it's there's to- so many things on here where you're going between like why didn't I think of that or I could have never thought of that. There's no <laughs> way I could have thought yeah. of that. Yeah, for sure. There's there's a lot of like it, it's just it's so creative and pure that mm-hmm. it's it's fun to listen to and you can tell that they had fun making it. And fun is that's what it's all about, right? Like that's it is. That's, that's why people started making music. Yeah, uh, I also really like there, there's a lot of like backing oohs and ahs throughout this album. Like I mentioned, there's some more of that, which also gives me kind of the the Beach Boys vibe. Yeah, but uh, specifically in this track, there's a guitar tone that they achieve in the second half of the pre-chorus, where he says the clock strikes twelve. Uh, mm-hmm. He's he, it comes in twice, I think, in the song. It's around 59 seconds. We're going to play a clip of it because I just I just love this guitar tone. Clock strikes 12, say feel so well, yeah. It's just, it's so like, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's also what gives me kind of a Beach Boys vibe, but it's kind of like, it's definitely a West Coast sound, yeah. I think. It's, it's kind of surf rocky, 
but it's still like thick in a way. It has substance to it. Mm-hmm. I just really enjoy that the guitar sound, and they swap to it just for a brief moment, and then they swap back out. So there, and there's so many things like that, like on here that I get not to keep gushing, but like there's so many <laughs> times where I just hear a sound that's just there for a few seconds, and I'm like, oh, oh, it's I gotta catch it before it slips away, like <laughs> right. And I, I think it's good. I it was a complaint that I had on that Hella album that we discussed where <laughs> they they would change the the patterns and the riffs and the sounds every few seconds. The same yeah. thing's happening on this album a lot of the times, but I don't dislike it. So I, I think it's it's more of just that Hella specifically was was a bit much to deal with on top of the fact that they were switching everything so quickly. Yeah. And that Zach Hill just had no chill apparently. <laughs> Zach Hill has no chill. That's a hashtag <laughs> waiting to happen. <laughs> But like, oh, so the lyrics on this song, you're talking about the surf rock vibe. The lyrics on this song go with the last song about the, I think, about California. I mean, it really talks about, I guess, fakeness and right. manufactured lives and celebrities in general. But given kind of the setting of the last song makes me think specifically about Hollywood. And uh, it's just talking like there's a few lines. Kids swim and they lose their color. Makes me think of like spray tanned children. <laughs> who are going for a dip in a pool somewhere, losing their spray tan, and then nose down, what are you going to do when parties fade and your makeup starts to smear? Like, just people who are only living for their social lives and not, I guess, living for themselves. Yeah, so I got a more specific vibe from the lyrics in this, mm-hmm. in that I, I kind of focused in on a character of sorts, mm-hmm. in that it seemed to me... That it it was kind of it, it, it the lyrics remind me or give me the the vibes of a person that was popular in high school, and oh, everyone yeah. everyone has like grown up since then and realized that person didn't really have much personality or or substance to them, and they're and everyone's kind of gone on and doing their own things. And this person's just left. They're like, hey guys, wait, remember me? Like I used to be cool. I used to be popular. Everyone wanted to hang out with me, and like. Nobody, nobody's here anymore because nobody gives a shit about me because I don't have anything of value inside me, which yeah. is a very harsh thing to say. But, but I mean, it kind of comes through. Like, and maybe it is harsh, but like there are totally times where that just perfectly applies to people. As much as I hate to say it, like, yeah, I mean, you, I, that that's a bit too extreme to say that somebody could possibly have literally no value inside yeah. of them. Everyone is valuable. But you have to kind of find a way to dig that out of yourself and yeah. make sure that other people make sure that you're presenting something because otherwise no one's going to give a shit. Yeah. If, if you're just this this blank slate of a character whose only characteristic is "haha, I like partying," then once people grow out of that "haha, we like partying" phase, they're not going to like. They're going to have no reason to talk to you. They're going to have no yeah. reason to hang out with you. And take my word for it. I was that person. Not I wasn't popular by any means, <laughs> but the the partying thing. I did that for a little bit, and it was like it's just such a weird feeling. All you people out there who are ex party people, all you party people who are ex party people out there, uh, take it from me. It it can it can get a little bit lonely, and just it's a weird feeling whenever you realize that all these people who you spend so much time with, like they may like do do stuff for you have a good time whatever but like when the chips are down it's weird whenever you text this 
this guy and be like, hey, you want to hang out? And he's like, no, nah, I'm doing something else. And you text this guy. It's like, no, nah, I'm doing something else. And then you're yeah. stuck there with yourself and you're like, oh, shit. Like, who? Which I mean, I, I think it's it's both a good and a sad thing. Like, it's good in that at that point in time, you kind of have to focus and say, like, mm-hmm. okay, wait, maybe something I'm doing is wrong. Maybe I yeah. need to figure out what I can do to get myself back on track and, and to, to grow as a person kind of a thing. Yeah. I do like your uh, s- specificity with high school. <laughs> Because yeah. that actually ties into a later song, for me at least, what I got out of it. But yeah, I, I I'm not sure if there was necessarily a through line to the, this album, but it, yeah. it kind of seemed to me like a lot of it was written about a breakup with mm-hmm. a specific person. So I kind of characterized that person as being someone that was popular in high school, and then kind of kind of yeah. faded out. Yeah, and. Uh... I don't know how to uh, segue to the next song. Well, I mean, you could just say that the character was was having a good time, but at some point in in her party career, there was her last party, and it, it became known as Emma Blogon's Last Stand. <laughs> yes, there we go. <laughs> you know what? I guess I could have focused more on the Last Stand part than the Emma Blogun part. That, that <laughs> yeah, see, the character's name is Emma Blogun. Like, we yeah. don't got to worry about segueing that. We just got to yeah. figure out how to context- contextualize it with the Last Stand. But yes. Track four is Emma Blogan. Emma Blogan's <laughs> Emma Blogun's Last Stand. Yes, and uh, I like the way this this one starts off. It's got these little tribal tribal yeah. drum type things going into it and i mean the keyboard with this distorted guitars but that's gonna be in like every song at this point <laughs> but yeah it's got, it's got a little drum intro and then it like half the track almost i think is instrumental mm-hmm. like the first half of it gives it it it's such an interesting recurring theme in these albums that that you share specifically but uh, and normally it's the one, you're the one saying this, but the the whole instrumental first half of the song is so so specific of a, of a vibe to me that it gives me that nostalgia for a time that I never experienced kind of a thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Where it, it's kind of like adventurous in a way, where it, it at first kind of evokes some feelings of being home on a summer day, maybe sitting on a porch looking out over your suburb with like a city in the background or in the distance or whatever. And then some of the strings come in and the song kind of evolves to, to kind of give it more of like a, a natural or a foresty kind of feeling to it, which which is amazing that that can happen with music without lyrics. Man, that that was just awesome to hear you say that. <laughs> I'm glad you said it so I didn't have to because, I don't know, like I've said it so many times. Yeah. The, the nostalgia for a time that I, I wasn't, at or i didn't know of the song in or whatever but i really like how they bring in the violins or the strings i don't know i don't know stringed instruments well enough yeah i just say strings so i don't have to look like a fool when i call one out wrong well i'm gonna go ahead and look like a fool (laughs) i think it's a violin (laughs) probably is but yeah this is like it's i think the longest song on the album it's like five and a half minutes long it's just nice like i some people may not like the long instrumental intros, but I feel like, or maybe like kind of how Apples and Stereo did it, where it seemed like they did more of theirs where they segmented it into a different, like it's a, it's its own song and then the song starts. But I like this kind of more where it's kind of like a, the buildup, like we talk about 
certain songs that you want to listen to the whole album for. So, like, if you're going to have an, a super long instrumental intro to a song, put it in the song. That way the actual, like, lyric part of the song can have that buildup. Yeah, it'll just, have some context. Yeah. I just like it. I, I agree. It's really cool. Uh, the song, the from the lyrics that I got out of it, I, I kind of got a less specific vibe on this one where mm-hmm. the songs seem generally about reflecting on your past and kind of being okay with where you are, even if people who you were raised around or people that you used to hang out with don't understand. Yeah. And he makes another like anti-religion jab uh, in this track, which kind of makes me think that it's a bit more personal for him where yeah. he was raised in a very specific religious way and then he kind of bucked that and his parents got mad at him and he's just like well this is this is who i am yeah i i definitely got like the same vibe i went rather than with his personal which i do like that that storyline that has more of weight to me and i kind of wish i would have heard that first the way i heard it was with the hollywood thing i saw like an actress Emma Blogun, this actress, maybe she went to against like her father's, her mother's convictions and her father's, what was it? It was your mother's convictions and your father's predictions don't seem so insane. Like she's sec- second guessing herself after going to Hollywood because, and she's starting to say like, maybe my parents were right. Maybe they knew better or whatever. And like pushing through that. Right. And I don't know, kind of just, but I, I mean, it could be carried over to just about any big decision that you make for yourself, go out on your own that you have in life. Where I, I will say, I think there, there's probably more weight in your response or in your theory because of uh, one track in specific later that mm-hmm. got a very similar vibe to. So maybe, maybe this is kind of a, a character that'll come up later as someone wanting an aspiring actress that has moved away and changed her life to try and get something to happen. Yeah. And I don't know. The last line to this song, when all you know your shadow's a ghost, don't let it scare you away. Like it it kind of just hit me as like the people who will literally just like risk everything in their life to get something or I don't know, whenever everything's gone, they're still going. Mm-hmm. And like even their shadow's a ghost, they're they're not deterred by it. Right. Which, I don't know. Usually, usually I have a failsafe of some sort, and there's not been many moments in my life where I've ever risked it all, lost it all, <laughs> yeah, and just kept going. Like I don't think I've ever had a point where I really lost it all. There was I always had, I always had the some change in my back seat of my car that I right. could get gas with. I always like I was never stranded somewhere. I never We've had a security net kind of yeah. thing. It's just a, it's a nice, it's a nice little story element that kind of hits me. Like hearing people, since I haven't had any crazy hardships in my life, I guess. I mean, I guess I shouldn't say that, but like, (laughs) I, I've never like been homeless or anything. So like hearing people talk about like their struggles and songs, it kind of gives me different perspectives. And that's why, that's why I like listening to stuff like this. Yeah. A lot, a lot of, a lot of times the 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 search for fame and the journey to get there can be kind of kind of trepidatious yeah. very, very very wild seas out there <laughs> but so, sometimes you know the the wild seas calm down yeah 
and they, they just kind of go. And you just got to calm, go the wild seas. Yeah. Track five, calm, go the wild seas. <laughs> See, we're making some segues happen. Yeah, there we it's go. Fine. We're getting it. We're getting into it. <laughs> A little bit. Mainly you. I, I, I have, I'm like over <laughs> two. So All right, far. just start thinking about the next track already. I'm going to get into this one. Uh, so there, there's some some flutes and some Eastern-sounding guitarists that come in in the first mm-hmm. verse of this track. Uh, after the pre-chorus, the trumpet kind of comes in, and it's it's muted, like he's, he's using some effects on it to give it kind of a wah, kind of feel like wah, kind of a deal. Yeah. Uh, and it it the song is so interesting to me mm-hmm. because I, I mentioned it earlier that there's one song that seems to stray from the Western feel, mm-hmm. and it's this song. So it's Calm Go the Wild Seas. There's some flutes. There's some like Oriental or like Eastern sounding guitar riffs. And then after the pre-chorus, the trumpet comes in and there's like some tambourine and stuff. And it kind of has this medieval feel. Yeah. Which is interesting because uh, when that stuff comes in or right after that stuff comes in, he sings, I will be the king, which maybe I'm looking too far into that <laughs> and giving him too much credit. But it, it kind of gives you this kind of old medieval king kind of vibe. But there's also this Eastern vibe going on, and and there's some like strings that come in that have a more Eastern vibe that comes in, and it, it, it just seems like the song is bouncing between this kind of English medieval castle feel and then this Eastern dynasty kind of feel, which is an interesting contrast when the rest of the album seems to be more focused on Western U.S. kind of a deal. But, yeah, and well, I can definitely see kind of the toss up between the eastern and western like this song is relating like at one point he says my sails are tattered and they're worn bone thin like it makes me think he's he he will be the king but like now he's sailing he's just somebody out there like not knowing necessarily what's happening but there's also themes in this song that i get i don't i know this this is kind of like my fallback though whenever i hear a song and i'm kind of like i latch on to something and there's parts of this song that make me think it's about like whenever you feel just completely defeated on the inside but that like facade that you put up kind of calling back to maybe emma blogan has been defeated her shadow's a ghost and she's putting on this face but then the fake face kind of feeds into the manufacturedness of Hollywood that he was talking about earlier. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Other, other than that, that Eastern, like the Eastern strings, it sounds like there's some sort of shamisen going yeah. on, like that that Eastern guitar, but like the violins or whatever it was, <laughs> that it's like they put like the Eastern twist on it. Like it's got that like very like type yeah. sound. And it's just, I just love it. It's I just it, did a, it, it, I did a bone appetite kissing noise. Yeah, I, I could I could feel it, I could hear it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think you're you're spot on with the lyrics. Like he says uh, in the court in the first chorus, he says, I will be the king, all I need is the comfort of a stage, smile and take a drag. So it's definitely reinforcing that like mm-hmm. even though his sails are tattered and they're worn bone thin, he's he's just exhausted from living. He's like, All I need is a camera on me and I can s- someone to, to act to. Yeah. Someone to someone to put up this facade for, and everyone thinks I'm fine. Well, um, you know what? It sounds like he should be in some sort of play 
since he's a sailor, I mean, those Greek sailors, the Argonauts, like, yeah. they should have had a play about him. Maybe it could be, he he's all alone out there on the sea. It's the Ballad of the Lonely Argonaut. Like, that's his play. That's a, that's that's, a good, that's a good play title. Yeah, that's a great play title. It's and, also a pretty good song title. Oh, shit. Is that the next song? It is. Track number <laughs> six, actually. You gave me the hardest... What I think is the <laughs> you're like just take the next one and as soon as I looked down I was like of course <laughs> I don't know we'll see we'll see how the rest of the album goes yeah, I guess that's true there's there's a few other ones actually that I'm thinking about now uh, but this one I mean it's this song kind of it I don't know how to pin this one down because <laughs> it changes quite a lot like. But, I mean, it switches back and forth. I guess I shouldn't say it changes a lot because it doesn't, like, have seven different changes. But it switches between this, like, jangly, slower, kind of shanty-type feel or something. And their typical, I guess, indie pop rock thing. Yeah, I I noted that it was kind of back to the the normal... Well, the normal for this album thus far, except for the last track. I put so much, like thought and enjoyment into the prior track being <laughs> so specifically different that mm-hmm. I actually didn't take a lot of notes for the music on this one. Cause yeah. it just kind of felt like, okay, well now we're getting back into the, the normal of this album kind of a thing. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I didn't put a ton of notes other than that. It changes a lot. Like, and more, I put more notes on the lyrics because as I was looking into it, something I said I was going to do like a call forward about, and I just kind of cut it off about California being the place that everybody goes. This song, right. it seems to be about, I mean, the Argonauts are like Greek. They were like a Greek f- ship fleet army sure. thing. And they sailed around. But it also, he talks about going around the Cape, going to El Dorado. Like there's, yeah, there were there's, people- a, there's a lot of imagery kind of referring to like the gold rush of California and that it just it all goes to I mean California it's the place that if you're an actor you go there back in the day the gold rush you go there like you go there to get your to make your quick buck to make your fame to make your to put your stake in the world like the American dream whatever and it's all so manufactured like very few people ever found struck it big in the gold rush there were like a few people at the beginning and then most of the people that ended up there afterwards like didn't make a few bucks and most of the people that go to hollywood aren't they're just going to be waiters like waiting tables or whatever and occasionally having a part they're not going to make it big or anything like it kind of has i don't know it kind of cooked this song as i don't want to say that i don't like the song because i do like the song but as kind of not impactful musically as it was. It kind of seemed like a culmination of a bunch of themes that were going throughout the album up to this point. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, it definitely has the, the same feel to with some of the earlier tracks where he just seems like he's kind of shitting on, <laughs> on Hollywood and, and yeah. California, which I thought was interesting. I, in my notes, because I didn't know that they were from California, I, I was thinking maybe he hates California so much because his ex-girlfriend left him and yeah. moved to California to pursue her, her acting career. But knowing that they're from California, I think I have a, a slightly different narrative. I think I have a new idea of what happens, but I'll get into that kind of later. Ooh. I think I'll want later tracks to, okay. uh, to flesh that, flesh out my new, my new, give me some time. Give me a few tracks to flesh <laughs> out, out my, my new, my new storyline here. Just but, winging uh, it. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, the idea popped into my head while you were talking. Took took a couple quick notes. So uh, we'll we'll see. I mean, if if I got nothing, I was gonna try. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna try so hard to stick with this. Uh, Comrades twenty sixth is the seventh track. Yeah. Um, I I don't I don't know what that means. You know, honestly, I don't either. Like Comrades twenty sixth, it made me think like maybe that's like the last song was about like a ship captain or somebody on a ship like maybe that's something with like longitude latitude something but like i got nothing i don't know what comrades 26 means it doesn't matter this is one of those tracks on on this album that jump around a lot mm-hmm. i know we just said that for the last track and, and some of the other ones that it, it, there's a lot of i don't want to really call it progression but it seems like there's a lot of snippets of songs that are kind of blended together and that the first 14 seconds are pretty standard what you'd expect from this album. Mm-hmm. Um, the the chord progression in this part actually reminds me of a metric song, so I'm going to put a metric uh, album on our list if I don't already have one on there. I think you um, do, but put another one. Go for yeah, it. We'll just do all of their discography. <laughs> but uh, after the first 14 seconds, it changes, and then there's like this eight-second interlude with some xylophone and one of those like Mexican scratching board kind of things that yeah. gives it a ratchet kind of sound. Uh, and then... The next 23 seconds after that, it's just some like Middle Eastern sitars and, and stuff like that kind of playing through. And then the trumpets come in and it's back to the, the, the normal stuff for the rest of the song. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird that it's, it's going on this little journey musically through itself. Yeah. And like there's very few lyrics in this song, but like a few of them just and I don't know where these come from. I don't know how they tie in because I mean, maybe the album does. I guess the album doesn't have a full through line or whatever, but the lyrics bomb bombs away so much safer than a loaded gun. And I won't blink cause you're softer than a sharpened blade. Like it makes me think maybe the music is going on a journey and it's this like naval captain, but it's like what he's saying right there. It just makes me think it's very surface level, but it makes me think of like how impersonal, I guess war becomes. Yeah. And that could be related to the breakup that you you're talking about. It's like if he's comparing his relationship at the beginning to the Civil War, now he's saying like it's it's become impersonal and you're just lobbing bombs across, which that imagery actually relates to something later in the album. But he's just you're just throwing bombs and you're just like, I don't care, whatever, like it's safe from over here. I'll just go I'll go nuclear, whatever, like it's (laughs) and it's fine. Yeah, that's pretty much what I got out of it. it. It seemed like, at least in my context, in my story, that it seemed like his ex was making a bunch of empty threats from mm-hmm. a distance, whereas I had to assume that she moved to California uh, to do that. So I was kind of saying, like, well, she's she's miles away. She's just talking shit, and he thinks that she doesn't mean anything by it, and he's not really worried about it because, A, they're, they're, she's so fucking far away. She's not going to do anything anyway. Yeah. But he also thinks that they need each other because the the following line after what you said is yeah. and i need you and you need me kind of thing so maybe he's a little bit delusional and maybe she's like just trying to get out of this relationship and and she's like talking so much shit about him and he thinks she's just like oh it's it's just hot air she's fine we yeah. she'll, she'll she'll come back she she realizes that that we need each other kind of a thing that's pretty that's pretty astute observation and uh speaking of hot air you know who else are is full of hot air. <laughs> I sure don't, Joey. Who? Aristocrats. 
and oh. they they just swell up with their hot air. The aristocrats <laughs> swell all the time. They do, and they had. I think there's a term for that that that's used in the in the scientific community called the aristocratic swells. You don't say, because I mean that 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 would go right with uh, track number seven on eight? here. Eight, eight, yeah, it is eight. You're right. I can't count. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what I'm doing. Well, you're not counting right, but you are yeah. talking about the aristocratic sw- swells, swales, swells, <laughs> swales, swale, <laughs> swale. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. That was that was too far outside of the realm. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> It's fine. But the aristocratic... We, we got it. Yeah. The, arist- <laughs> the aristocratic swells. I mean, this song, I don't have a ton to say about this song, but except for that, it seems like an actual piano comes in. Yeah. And I mean, m- maybe it came in earlier, but this is this is where it becomes noticeable, I think. The actual piano, I guess. For sure. But it... I don't know. This song also gives me a Beatles vibe, but I think that's mainly due to his his voice or something. Yeah, I, I really like the guitars on this one and, and the rhythm specifically of the whole song. It, it, it has kind of a nice feel to it, but yeah. I also didn't have a whole lot to say about it. This does tie back into my, my new theory. Uh, lyrically, this one seemed to me at the time to be about a band and mm-hmm. a mistress character or a female a girlfriend of a band member, perhaps. Yeah. It seems like the band starts out pure and they just want to make music for fun and, and for free. And then they sell out eventually. Meanwhile, yeah. the girl seems to be trying to start her own career, even if that means doing some less than kosher things. Yeah. Where maybe, maybe I'm reading a little bit too far into that, but at some point uh, he says, and with a kiss, yeah, you'd be so sure we'll put a laugh track on for you, dear. So maybe she's using his band's success to kind of kickstart her own career. Even if that means she has to like whore herself out to some executive to just to to get an audition kind of a thing. Yeah. I actually don't think you're too far off with that because I got kind of the same vibe and there's something in a, in a later song that I think ties that in pretty well. But, uh, yeah. So I, I think, tying in the new information of the fact that they're based in California. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I don't, I don't know if this is the case. I don't know where this dude was born or where his band was formed. Uh, if it was in California, then this kind of goes out the window, but I'm thinking maybe it was his girlfriend's fault. Maybe he, ha- he started this band and they were pure and they were just doing it for fun. His girlfriend convinces him to come to Hollywood and sell out. So they do. Cause later again, in a later song, we'll kind of get into this. He, he moves to Hollywood, he sells out a little bit, and he realizes that she actually just wanted them to move to Hollywood so she had a better chance of, of furthering her career. They break up, and now he's like, man, fuck this place. Fuck California <laughs> and all these fake-ass people. I fucking moved across the country for this woman, and she just fucking, she's using me. I like it. I like your theories. <laughs> Even if they're not accurate. They're Even if they're not accurate. Yeah. See? That's, yeah. They just, uh, Bring me back to those old days, the those those Silverado days. <laughs> Track number nine. <laughs> God damn it! Silverado days. This one's uh, a slower track uh, compared to a lot of the other ones on the album. It's it's more of a ballad mm-hmm. kind of a deal with just some acoustic guitar and a bass and some hi hats uh, for a lot of the song. 
there's some synth effects that come in for ambience that I thought were really nice. And then the piano and the horns and the strings come in about halfway through, which give it a nice build. Uh, and then it has this trumpet solo, which is very nice and, mm-hmm. and calm and relaxing. Uh, I don't know. I, I like the song a lot musically as well. Yeah, I do too. Like, and this song actually, like, it makes me, I'm going to go ahead and name drop their trumpet player. Okay. His name's uh, Bill Swan. He's Bill a good, Swan. good trumpet player. Like, has, just, has he played trumpet for other Elephant Six bands? You know, I'm not 100% sure. I don't think he did in a major way. He might have like been featured, but I think since these bands kind of weren't there at the exact inception, they weren't a sense. part of the kind of personnel swapping that went on at the beginning. But Gotcha. He, he is a very good trumpet player. I agree. I think, but yeah, this song, I couldn't make heads or tails of what the song was talking about, honestly. Like, yeah. I, I kind of got the feeling of like somebody like idolized somebody else, but then like they got swept away with them. And it's like kind of a don't meet your idols story, but that seems wrong. Yeah. So I, I think, I don't know if mine's more accurate, but I think mine might fit a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I, there's definitely some idolizing going on, right? I got the idea that the singer's perspective, if he's talking about himself or, or a character or whatever, he, he idolized a Western actor. Okay. So someone that, that was in film and somebody that was, or, or somebody that had this reputation of being a cowboy he says, uh, bathed in rhinestones and brand new chinos. I was a kid. You were my hero kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, and he idolized him so much that he was, he was wanting to grow up and be like him. So we would, we would duel, but our holsters were empty. I, I was imagining them as a kid mm-hmm. kind of just, you know, playing with fake guns and stuff. Um, but the first verse he says, uh, me and I, yeah, we're going your way. Sound the trumpets and open the gates. No angels there to greet me. They can't breathe and they won't see me. So I'm thinking maybe this person that he idolized and respected and wanted to be when he was a little kid has died. Yeah. And and he's like, well, I'm going to keep on, I'm going to keep trying to do this thing in memory of, you know, my idol. Maybe he wasn't an actor. Maybe he was just some, some big character or whatever. But uh, I, I got the vibe that he was talking about like a Western actor. That would make sense given how much of the, I don't know. There seems to be a lot of like old West and imagery in right. here but that could just yeah. be because they're from california but i i think there's something more there yeah and and this song he also uses the metaphor of throwing words like bombs yeah uh, and that was brought up in one of the prior tracks where it's just kind of a very impersonal kind of inaccurate way just kind of lobbing shit just to, to get it out yeah i think it's like because even though we don't mean what we say that's what it was we throw our right. words like bombs and hand grenades we're yeah, just, just tossing fine. shit you're just flinging shit to fling shit because you're yeah. angry. Yeah. Well, uh, I think, I mean, my analysis of that song was pretty cold, but I, I think yours was a little warmer. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to go with something off of like bombs and hand grenades, making things a little bit warmer, but no, you know. No. I'm going to shake it up, man. That's shake, fine. Shake, shake it up. It'll get warmer that way too. <laughs> this song. Oh yeah. Warmer. Track 10. <laughs> this is warmer. Who could have seen it? <laughs> this song, like, it starts off, like, I guess brighter than other songs. It sounds like there's, like, a ukulele and a har- or a harp or something being backed up by some piano chords. It's just a yeah. nice little, after talking about throwing words like hand grenades, it's just, like, 
nice little bright harpsichord thing. Yeah, where, whereas as it was previously kind of aggressive, this one's a little bit warmer. Yeah. A little bit, co- a little bit cozier. Ooh. I have a confession to make, though. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we kind of have a shortened week for this album. There were so many times that I started this album and I didn't finish. I never got, I don't want to say never, I only got to this track a few times <gasps> because just because of my, my listening habits. I would mm-hmm. listen when I was in the shower or when I was driving somewhere. And a lot of those times, I, I would have my my task done by the time this track came on. Yeah. So uh, I actually hadn't listened to the song a whole lot until I sat down to get my notes together for it. But I I, I do really enjoy it. It's a very lovely sounding track, and it, it has an intro with those pianos and, and the ukes, like you say. And there's something I noticed when the guitars come in just before that. You can hear like some seagulls. Yeah. I, and it's a very kind of a surfy vibe to begin with. But it's kind of nice having those goals kind of reinforcing that that imagery or that mindset. And it sounds like they're playing the guitar backwards. Like Yeah, see, <laughs> I, I picked up on, I thought it was their synths, like their keys were being, like the, the notes were being reversed. Maybe the guitars are too. Maybe it's all just kind of like reversed samples of the notes or, or they've reversed their the way that the notes are produced. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, it gives it a very cool sound. Yeah. As far as, like, lyrically, this song, I think I had my worst analysis of a song on this one, (laughs) because it's just, like, what I came up with was so simple. But you were talking about people who were popular in high school, and, like, that one song, it made you think specifically of someone in high school. This song, it made me think of, like, a girl at a dance, and all the guys are, like, crushing on her, or just girls in general at a dance, and guys are, like, they're get so nervous when they're walking up to her like when she starts to sway the floor is blacker than the sea like you you're going up to her and you're like you can't focus on anything else and right i don't know yeah so i I had a similar but again more specific vibe and that i i do think this is about like that high school dance kind of setting but i feel like it was the, the the protagonist kind of reminiscing it's kind of like a flashback to mm-hmm. the glory days with his girlfriend that he broke up with where w- when they first met or when they first went out, you know, it was this high school dance. Every guy wanted to be with her. Every girl wanted to be her kind of a thing. She was, she was just that, that personality, that party girl. Well, she wasn't a party girl at that time, probably, yeah. but she was that personality. She was that person in high school that everyone was just like, so in love with that. Obviously, shit kind of seemed to go south if she's the same character from yeah. the prior track that I was annoying. But she was still, she was young, she was kind, and she was reassuring. Uh, she, he has some quotes where, like, he says, she says, oh, well, oh, well, you'll do just fine. Uh, and, and she kind of, like, reassures him that no matter what they're doing, they're like, it's, it's going to be okay. Because yeah. it, it's just him kind of, he's obviously not in a great place dealing with this relationship breakup. And now he's kind of flashing back and he's like, man, she was so sweet. She was so like kind. She was so perfect. And, and maybe, maybe this is the part. Technically I didn't get to this conclusion until last track, but maybe it kind of bleeds in here as well, where I'm not sure if this girl character is an actual person mm-hmm. or if it's a metaphor for the fame and the, the allure of Hollywood yeah. It's just like, it seemed like it was a good idea. It seemed like it was going to be great. It was going to be perfect. And then I got here and I, I'm start seeing the cracks and it's no, nothing's actually what it looks like here. 
I think you might be on to something with the metaphor about the girl being the metaphor for fame, given what goes on in the next track. Yeah, but. we can go ahead and hit it up. The next track, track 11, the final track on the album. If we can land a man on the moon, surely I can win your heart. So, that's such a nice title. It is. I really like it. It's 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 kind of poetic. Yeah. And it's kind of romantic, but it's still like I don't know. It's it's simple. It se- like to me it seems like one of those long album titles you'd get from or song titles you'd get from like a math rock like emo kind of band from yeah. like the mid 2000s which <laughs> I mean there's a lot of elements I think that kind of bleed over, not necessarily the sound of the music, but some of the writing styles, I think. So maybe maybe they're like a proto-emo, but only in the lyrical content type <laughs> way. Yeah, he, he, he has the, the heart of a poet that yeah. bleeds black ink, you know, yeah. kind, of, kind of a deal. Definitely. But uh, musically, it, it starts with some jaunty trumpet and some drums and a bass line that kind of, it kind of gives it this like parade, kind of this exciting hurrah, hurrah kind of a, deal and then it swaps to like a, a more melancholy piano thing and then it kind of settles in with some more upbeat drums and, and strings which i think musically makes it a good ending track to the album oh yeah it, it, it feels strong and man like i think it feels strong but dude that fucking bop of a piano solo like <laughs> right in the middle oh my god it's just like some jaunty ass like just rocking piano solo just right yeah. in the middle i just love it oh man it's a very good, like, last hurrah kind of a deal yeah. for the most part. The thing is, I hope they're not, like, I hope it's a real genuine piano solo, because it sounds like it's pretty genuine, but what I was saying about the meta, like, you being right with the metaphor for fame, because I was kind of at a loss on this album, or this song, because whenever I was really, like, analyzing the lyrics, I was stuck on how I thought about the dance from, like, the dance scene from the right. last song. But then I read some, it, and I'll, it's not my full analysis, somebody else thought of this, but they're, they were thinking about this whole song because they're talking about, like, if you want me to fight, I'll fight, and talking about how they'll do, like, anything for, for this girl. The person said that, like what you said, the girl is fame, and this is their band talking, fighting for people to, like, listen to them, to like them, and they'll do whatever they want for people to get listens and then because all you need is a pretty song is one of the lyrics and like that seems kind of like a a flippant just like oh fine like whatever all you need is this and we'll give it to you we'll we'll play this we'll we'll do this we'll do this and then whenever i heard the piano solo i was like i hope that's not part of the because all you need is a pretty song so i'll do the (laughs) crazy piano solo or if it's i don't know yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Just to, to kind of go along with that, the whole chorus and the, the theme of the song, the chorus is, and if you want to sing, tell me what you want to sing, and I'll play. Yeah, I'll play. Speed it up or slow it down. If you want, we'll change our sound. We'll mm-hmm. play, yeah, we'll play anything that you want. All we want from you is a word or two. So I, I think that makes sense. Um, I didn't lean too hard into the, the idea of a metaphor at this point. I kind of came to that conclusion during this, this podcast. Yeah. But uh, in my notes, I said it, se- it seems to be about a love song, about how he'd do anything for this girl, even selling out and changing his band's sound. And that kind of ties back into that newer theory that maybe it's his girlfriend's fault that he's 
selling out that he's come to uh, California and is now selling out. And she's left him. He's like, look, like we just, we just want to make it. We're already here. We came here with the intention of selling out and kind of trying to make something work. We just, we're going to make it work regardless. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. I just, I just like this song as the ending song a whole lot. It's just yeah, a nice feels, way to it's, cap it's a, it off. It's a good, it's a very good ending track. Yeah. We talk about that a lot, but I, I think that's true on this album for sure. Maybe that's the reason we pick all these albums is because we just like the ending tracks. Yeah. We just like the ending tracks. Maybe. I have, I have quite a few albums that like, I don't know. I forget what album it was. Was it, uh, what was the album that you said? Like you didn't necessarily like love the rest of the album, but the was it the Tulu album? album? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that's right. Cause I was thinking you lo- like, you loved that whole, which I mean, I guess you do love that whole album, but right. it's mainly, I, I love it as an experience. Yeah. Not as the individual pieces of it. But overall, I, I think this album's great. I think it's a very good s- second step on our journey. Uh, like I said, I like this one more than the Apples and Stereo album, which isn't to discredit the Apples and Stereo album. I thought it was okay. But uh, I think we're going in the right direction. Hopefully it doesn't uh, change direction. Still, <laughs> of course, a little bit. Uh, the trumpets Hopefully. are great. There's some really interesting music stuff that's kind of sprinkled throughout this album. Uh, I, I don't think this is an album that I'll throw on super often still. Um, because this just isn't the kind of music that I'm used to listening to often, but uh, yeah. I, I, I think it's a great album, and uh, I think it it has kind of helped me, or, or is helping inform what you like so that I have some other albums that I can recommend to you later. Ooh, okay, okay, I see ya. So. Yeah, this, uh, well, as far as not changing course too much, uh, so... I'll give you a little background. The next next week's album, I'll go ahead and get it out there. Yeah. Uh, the band is of Montreal. The album is Cherry Peel. Cherry that Peel. Cherry Peel by of Montreal. So this, the apples and stereo, I liked. I wanted to get you like the intro to the this type of sound, the indie pop sound, while still kind of easing it in. This was more of the sound that I'm trying to get to, like, musically. Okay. Vocally, this next <laughs> album is going to be more of, not, like, the exact sound of the final band, but it's, I'm I'm trying to kind of, this was the music, this next one's going to be more of a vocal style, I guess. Yeah, it, it's so. three-fourths of the way to, to the end point, and I imagine yeah. your, your, your end point is going to be a huge surprise to me. Or is going to be a huge something. I yeah. See, maybe I shouldn't have built it up so much, <laughs> but like, I I really do. I just absolutely love the album that we're going to listen to. Well, that's that's all that matters is that you're passionate about it. You're sharing. It's it's just good to talk about things that people are passionate about with yes. them because it just I don't know. There's some excitement there that that cannot be contained. Exactly. Like, that's the thing. Like, I don't care if I absolutely hate what somebody's talking about. If they're super passionate about it, like, that gets me fucking excited about it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you can t- you can just tell whenever somebody actually loves, like, loves something. Like, there's this, I'm not going to get way off track. Like, just, I love, I love hearing about what people are super passionate about, being able to feel it. That's why 
I gravitate towards bands like this is because you can really hear that, yeah. like we were talking about at the beginning, like you can hear they're having a lot of fun doing it. Not saying that like other bands, like you listen to pop songs and you're like, oh, they must have fucking hated this. Like, <laughs> right. But it's but just it's like, not as much soul that's apparent yeah. in a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. I hate... I. In, in case you people out there can't tell, like I'm, I'm a very middle of the road person. I, I don't like, I like making general, like huge sweeping statements <laughs> about stuff, but then I always go back on it because I'm like, pedal, yeah. I'm like, but not really, because yeah, I know <laughs> like, I fucking hate them, but they're okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess anyway. that's not middle of the road. That's both sides. I just play both sides. Well, it so, averages out, so. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Until next week, uh, if you guys want to find us, we're on all the social medias. We're, we're on a lot of the podcasting platforms. So if you're trying to introduce us to people and they're like, oh, well, I don't use that, tell them to look wherever they do use because they'll find us. Just search Feedback Loop, maybe Feedback Loop Podcast. I don't know. We're, we're, we're growing. Yeah. And by that, I mean as people and podcasters and not exactly as a platform yet. But <laughs> but eventually, maybe. Eventually. Uh, until we get there, though, just, just stay tuned and stay in our feedback loop. Bye.